Shut up and sit down. Alright, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Faction Podcast. My name is Joel Lapenta and I am here with my co-host, Nermali. Hello again, this is Ermali. I hope you guys have enjoyed the first couple of episodes from us. We're going to continue doing this and uh, advising you on your weekly decisions when it comes to fantasy. Yeah, as Ermali said, we've had two episodes so far. This is going to be our third episode and it is the week nine review. Um, again, thank you for all your love and support thus far. Uh, please check me out on Twitter at FFF Joe LaPenta. And Ermali still hasn't created a Twitter. Maybe you'll see him soon. Well, if you guys keep listening to the podcast, Joe said once we cross a certain platform, he's going to force me to do it, which will make me lose all my morals along with it. <laughs> Exposing your personal life and social media. That's the number one Ermali rule. Don't do it. Yeah, it's a no-no for me. <laughs> all right. Well, as I said, this is going to be our week nine review and let's get into it, huh? Yeah, let's start along with that Thursday game. The Thursday games typically in the past few years have been some very, very bad games. But this year, we've had some really good games. And this was one of them, I thought, especially, you know, in the second half of the game. Yeah, this was pretty shocking. I mean, we anticipated a pretty close game. Um, but who knows what it really went to this level. We got Jimmy Garoppolo, probably the breakout game for him this year. Uh, 317 yards with four touchdowns, no interceptions. It was a quiet night for the running game and a big game for the passing. Garoppolo did well. As I said, everyone started Tevin Coleman. He was kind of a top 12 ranked running back this week, but he really fell short. Uh, Is it time to abandon the Tevin Coleman hype train? No, not yet. There's no reason to abandon it. Um, This is obviously a running back by committee because Matt Breda is healthy right now but Matt Breda does like to get injured a lot the ball just went Matt Breda's way he had the bigger plays this week Tevin Coleman I think they just started to phase him out because he wasn't getting the big plays this is still a run heavy team so don't let the 101 overall rushing yards for the team as a negative for either of the running backs they're still good running backs to start through the rest of the season I know last week I made the claim that Tevin Coleman is maybe even a RB1 he will be RB1 some weeks, and S will Matt Breda, but the touchdowns, like you said, Garoppolo with four touchdowns, he's not going to keep doing that. So they're still a run favorite team. This is also Garoppolo's first 300-yard game uh, yard game of the season. His, the highest attempts he's also attempted all season with 37. So still not great volume, but he's not going to see the four touchdowns again. Yeah, I agree. This was kind of an off game for Tevin Coleman. Uh, Matt Breda did have the lion's share of the work. As you mentioned, he does get injured, but it's like, will Matt Breda ever sit on the sideline? This dude has a season-ending injury every game, and he still shows up the next week in place. So he's always a threat to Tevin Coleman's workload. I don't know if Tevin Coleman will be a RB1 going out throughout the season. As you mentioned, they only got 101 rushing yards this game when this is like a 200 rushing yard team, and that is where the Jimmy Garoppolo production came in. So that is why he was, you know, getting four touchdowns. I don't think that's going to keep going. But how about Emmanuel Sanders? His first game with the team, and the dude went off 112 yards and a touchdown. So maybe Garoppolo can be something special now that he has a viable receiver on his side. 
Yeah, it's really nice to see another receiver other than George Kittle um, step up in a game. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, nine targets this game, seven receptions for 112 yards. Uh, really impressive game for him, whether it continues or not. I, w- I would start him as a flex, wide receiver three, wide receiver two, um, depending on the matchup. But they are going to have to throw the ball. Teams kind of have an idea of that they're always going to try to rush. So if teams start stacking the box against this team and those running backs, I think the coach has all, all the faith in Garoppolo. And I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the primary benefactor of anyone else other than Kittle because Kittle will draw the double team still. Yeah, if Sanders is somehow on your waiver wire, add him. He still is available in some leagues, um, but I think he's available in about 25% of leagues. He might be out there. See if he's there. Add him if you can because he will be the wide receiver one on this team. Moving on to the Arizona side of the ball, Kyler Murray somehow puts together a pretty good game. And how about Kenyon Drake? Ooh, Kenyon Drake. What did I say last week about Kenyon Drake? You hated him. Yeah, I hated him. It's okay. I would have started Kenyon Drake in a flex, as I mentioned before, but I wasn't bought in as an RB1 or an RB2. 15 carries, 110 yards with a touchdown, along with four receptions for 52 yards. I think that, unfortunately, most people probably missed out on Drake's best game because we were too scared to start him. Yeah, too scared to start him because we weren't sure if what was happening with the injuries, whether throughout the week, whether David Johnson was going to play or not. Kenyon Drake, I mean, it's it's a good start for him. Maybe he has some type of connection with Murray and that coaching staff over there. So if you have him right now, I would continue to start him until you see otherwise. He's a new player in an offensive, new offensive system. Obviously, nobody liked him with the Dolphins in the last two regimes there. So maybe you found yourself a steal and maybe a top 12 running back for the rest of the season probably not but if those guys do have injuries this is a running back friendly offense i would say yeah Kenyon drake whenever he's given a large workload he produces i think it's something like he's only had about three games with 15 or more carries but all three games he got over 100 yards rushing next week it could be a challenge uh you know the tampa bay buccaneers defense is hit or miss i mean he did this against the niners who would have saw that coming? So I'm still not extremely confident in starting him next week. But as I said last week, I think I'm flexing him again. You know, I flexed Devontae Adams over Kenyon Drake this week. <laughs> oh, well, that was a really nice choice. I mean, with Kenyon Drake, especially if you're one of the few owners that maybe got him as a handcuff uh, to David Johnson, I think that's pretty incredible that you have that player because if David Johnson is not playing, then... I think you can confidently start him because he is a start in that offense and he had a really good first game, so your confidence should be there. But how about any of the receivers on this team? Because it looked like Drake had was tied with Larry Fitzgerald for the highest amount of receptions with four. Any trust in any of these guys? I'm going to ignore all the wide receivers going forward. Biggest reason is because Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald are your primary receivers and they have not been producing uh, Kyler Murray's production seems to be random right now, and the air raid offense is hurting Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. You know, when you line up five wide receivers on the field, your two biggest guys are going to get the most coverage. And if you're going to have somebody catching the ball out of the backfield, as you've seen David Johnson do before, or maybe now even Kenyon Drake in his absence, that's going to eat into the production from those receivers. I just can't confidently start anyone in that receiving core right now. Yeah, especially with Kirk. I think in the draft that you and I are together in the league, um, you drafted him that night 
And I was very jealous. I was like, oh, man, that's a great sleeper pick, Joe. Like, he's going to have such a monster season. You know, he's been trained there by, you know, Larry Legend, you know, so he's going to have, you know, just a breakout season. Like, that was such a great pick. Hasn't really turned out that way for Kirk, um, really for any of the receivers there, including Isabella that had the 88-yard touchdown catch. But that was also his only target of the game. Last thing, David Johnson, who knows when he's coming back. There's still no word on that. I still don't think that the IR is out of the realm of possibility because if he was really that healthy, he should have been back by now. This is not the type of team that puts players on IR, though. They'll roll him out there for one snap and then pull him out as injured. (laughs) But we can jump to the next game. So moral of the story, hold on to Kenyon Drake. All right, moving on, we're going to go to... Yeah, some international waters over here. The London game... The 8.30 a.m. game, I believe it started here in Chicago. Houston Texans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. As I had alluded to before, Minshew Mania is over. What do you think? I don't think it's over. I, you know, this was, I thought this was a potential game for him to like really break out. I think I mentioned last week he can have 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns uh, thrown around. The London games always kind of surprise you, so... You know, you can get a really bad team playing really well over there or, you know, vice versa. This game, I think, went as predicted the better team won. Um, I just want to add a little comment. Uh, my poor wife forgot that it was a 8.30 game, and she forgot to take out the Jacksonville Jaguars defense in this game. Did not serve her well. Shout out there. Sorry. R.I.P. The team wasn't doing good anyways. No, it's a terrible. She has a terrible team this year. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so as you mentioned, the London games traditionally aren't like the hugest, grandest games of them all. I just think that Gardner Minshew was kind of on the decline anyways. Uh, and I think this game may seal the fate that if Nick Foles returns in two weeks, maybe he gets benched and they roll Foles back out there. Because the Jaguars got down so quick, Leonard Fournette, only 11 carries for 40 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, If you're in a PPR league, he kind of made up for it with five receptions for 32 yards, so he finished with over 10 points there. But in a standard league, he only got you about seven. Very disappointing game. Are you worried about Fournette for the rest of the year, or do you think this was just a little blip? Yeah, I think this was just an outlier (laughs) to the rest of the season. We've seen him get a lot of volume. I think he's going to continue to get that volume. Team only scored three points, and like you said, they once the second half started, the Texans put a a, couple, a quick touchdown on them and then they they were just forced to throw the ball so 11 carries is not like him he usually gets 11 carries in a half um still not worried about Fernet. still obviously a must start rb1 probably is still a top five running back regardless who the quarterback is back there they, they love to run the ball with him and he's catching this year so there's no reason for concern with him yeah i'm still rolling out Fournette week in and week out no question about it dj chark though four receptions for 32 yards this is the second week that he took a back seat to Keelan Cole, who last season was supposed to be the big breakout on the team. Are you still starting DJ Chark week in or week out, or do you have to consider benching him at this point? It's obviously going to depend on who I have on my bench. He's a wide receiver three right now, even with D.D. Westbrook being out for two weeks in a row right now. I would start him just because he has shown potential with Menchu to get touchdowns. He still had the most uh, targets on his team with nine targets this week. So I'm still rolling him out there. He is he has become kind of a touchdown or bust type of player. So he needs to get those touchdowns uh, to start. Keenan Cole, um, Armstead had five receptions for 65 yards. 
I'm staying away from those guys. Same with Chris Conley, who had a really good week. Last week, I'm staying away from the rest of the receiving corp on this team. Yeah, Chark, you may have made a move to get him. You may have traded him and given up something good, so you may be in the position to where you have to start him week in and week out. I would probably ignore everyone in the receiving core. I'm not buying into Keelan Cole just yet. If D.D. Westbrook gets healthy, though, and Nick Foles does come back and is a starter, they did have a great rapport together in the preseason, and D.D. Westbrook could become the number one receiver, as everyone thought it would be before. I'm going to try to stay away from Chark if I can. I'm really going to try to stay away from everyone in the receiving core. Rockwell Armstead, if you have a deep bench, if you're in a deep league, that is a guy to keep, though, because, as you know, Fournette has been injury-prone in the past, and if you have enough room to stash people... Go ahead and do it. Look at that production. Uh, Houston side of the ball. Are we good to move on? Yeah, we're good to move on the Houston side of the ball, which had its own surprise candidate for a, a good week this week. Deshaun Watson put up good numbers, you know, reasonable numbers, as he always does. Not a lot of passing yards, but two touchdowns, 37 yards. Uh, the running game was interesting. Duke Johnson, who had a pretty good game himself, only seven carries, and it only resulted in 13 yards, but did lead to a touchdown on the receiving end of the ball. Five receptions for 68 yards. He was the leader. You compare him to Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde did go off himself. 19 carries for 160 yards. So it is clear that Carlos Hyde is still the dominant one in the running game. But I like the production from Duke Johnson in the receiving game. What do you think? Yeah, maybe Watson and the coaching staff is getting more comfortable with understanding how to use Duke Johnson because five receptions for 68 yards. The 13 yards, you know, rushing... I don't really care what he's doing in the rushing game, even though he had the TD. His true production is going to come in that passing game and relieving a lot of pressure uh, from DeAndre Hopkins. I'm happy to see him, so if I do have him right now, maybe this is a breakout game where they start to use him a lot throughout the rest of the season. As far as Carlos Hyde goes, Carlos Hyde is what it is. He's going to pounce on teams that don't know how to tackle, and the Jaguars in in this morning game just miss a lot of tackles. Uh, It wasn't just Hyde, you know, just having an uber amount of talent and just standing out. I mean, that 58-yard run that he had in the game, that was just a lot of missed tackles there. He had another couple of 20-yard rushes, was just missing tackles. So I'll take it for what it is. He's a nice guy to have on your bench, a nice guy to substitute in with bye weeks coming. I'm still not as confident in him being a running back one or running back two for the rest of the season, but really nice player to have on your bench because he is a starting running back. As you said, a lot of missed tackles. The Jaguars' defense was just off. They had trouble applying pressure to Deshaun Watson and just breaking through that offensive line. That's not even that good. So I think it kind of was an outlier. Carlos Hyde is always a potential flex, but this is not somebody that you want to go out and acquire or start him as an RB2. One other thing that was pretty interesting, Kenny Stills, he's quietly becoming the wide receiver two option there. Kuti was healthy and... I don't think he even took the field. Yeah, he didn't do much. I thought Fuller's injury was going to open the door for Kiki Kuti more so, but it looks like they're very comfortable with uh, still seeing most of the snaps. His production is still not there, but also Watson only had 200 yards this game, so the four receptions for 52 yards weren't bad. But those also only came on four targets. So take it for what it is. He's a nice bench player. Four or less catches all season. Only one touchdown this season, so he hasn't shown you much yet other than he is going to be consistently on the on the field with them. But with Duke Johnson hopefully rising with the amount of targets that he sees and the amount of snaps that he sees, 
Stills is a player to keep an eye on, but not so much for me. If you need uh, help at wide receiver and he is out there because he is in many leagues, he's somebody you take a shot on, I think. But you can't count on him to be a game winner or a you know season changer. All right, let's move on. What do we got here? We got the Redskins and the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. A couple of East Coast teams just rocking at this game. Pretty poor game, if I do say so myself. Um, we got Adrian Peterson. He's going to become the new Frank Gore. 18 carries, 108 yards. He was the most productive one on the team. But you got Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin. They played together in college, yet they cannot play together in the NFL. They had no chemistry together. And boy, was it a stinker for both of them. Yeah, McLaren was one of those guys that in the first two or three weeks of the season, everybody was in love with because of his speed. And he obviously has a lot of speed to him. Uh, but just that quarterback situation there, Dwayne Haskins is only 144 yards. McLaren was targeted six times, but they're just not going to score many points, especially in this type of matchup against uh, Bill's cornerbacks that have been very good all season. I would still keep him, but I wouldn't rely on Terry McLaurin. Uh, with that quarterback for the rest of the season, even if he does happen to have a really big game uh, coming up. Yeah, I'm not ready to drop McLaurin yet. I think McLaurin is a NFL-ready wide receiver. The problem is Haskins is not a NFL-ready quarterback. He was off on a lot of his throws. They just weren't synced together as far as who was running what route and yada yada. So there is still plenty of tension for McLaurin. I think whatever Case Keenum returns... So I'd hold him for now in hopes that Case Keenum's coming back. We don't really have much else to say about that, right? We can go to the Buffalo side. Yeah, and there's even on the Buffalo side, I think there's only one player to really focus on, um, especially for the rest of the season, and that's uh, Devin Siglentary, somebody we talked about in the preview last week uh, quite a bit. Uh, I was really hoping that this was the game that he was going to break out, and it is the game that he broke out in. Uh, 20 carries. Obviously a season high for him, 95 yards, a touchdown. He played a big part in the passing game as well. He had a 49-yard reception. He was targeted four times, so really a breakout game. If you had been patient and waited through early part of the season, waited through all those injuries with him, he's one of those guys that right now, if you if you did stash him, and this is you know a team that loves to run the ball, that had 39 carries overall as a team, You might have a league winner, I would say, for the rest of the season because the kid is extremely athletic, extremely fast, extremely big play potential. I'm really happy that they saw him as being a healthy player and they were like, okay, let's see what this kid could do, and he showed them. Yeah, as long as he stays on the field, he offers three-down potential too because he's very good in the passing game. Three for 45 this game, but we saw that big touchdown catch last, uh, last week. Now, last week we did talk Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. You supported uh, Devin Singletary, who I do love. I didn't decline that he was going to do good or, you know, be bad. But I did say I would start Frank Gore over him. I'm not going to take the loss on that one because Frank Gore still did get 11 carries. And the turning point of this game was when he got stuffed on the goal line three times. First, second, and third down, Frank Gore stuffed each time, and then Josh Allen actually took the rushing touchdown on fourth down, which actually saved his fantasy day. So I think at this point, Frank Gore is the backup, and Devin Singletary is the starter on this team. Josh Allen, as I said, the one rushing touchdown, I think he had 12 total yards. Yep, eight carries for 12 yards, so nothing much going there, but he did have that touchdown. 
Only 160 yards to air with one touchdown. Josh Allen, who had a great schedule so far, has not been doing amazing. Uh, would you still start him, or is this somebody you're going to consider to sit on the bench or even drop? No, I wouldn't sit him on the bench. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship. Yeah, um, I wouldn't sit him on the bench. Obviously, against Miami, I would start him unless you're just incredibly wealthy at the quarterback position and you have Deshaun Watson as your starter. I wouldn't, you know, obviously switch Josh Allen in for him. He does, I mean, just the running potential with him, whether it's a yards or his capability to get a, you know, half a touchdown a game on average rushing, it just kind of saves a lot of weeks for him, like you said. So just really high floor with him. Um, He's a safe starter at quarterback, I would say. You can do a lot worse. I don't think he's a quarterback that's going to get you 10 points very often, simply because if they're not doing well, he's just going to start running the ball more and more. So I wouldn't worry about Josh Allen. If you have him as your starter, Pay attention to the matchups. Upcoming matchup is great, so obviously start him. His wide receivers are not so great. Um, what do you think about any of those guys that caught your eye? I'm still just going to hold on to John Brown, as I've said in the past. Cole Beasley got the lucky touchdown. He's the slot guy. He's going to be the guy that hits the slant and gets open miraculously and turns maybe a small play into a big play or just gets that one red zone target like he did this game. So really the only one I'm rolling with is John Brown. Um, one really quick thing about Josh Allen is they only needed him to throw 20 passes. There was 31 rushes between Devin Singletary and Frank Gore. I don't think he's only going to throw 20 times, you know, that often. And he didn't have eight attempted carries. The Redskins, you know, have been pretty good against the run. Uh, this time they just gave up a lot of production of Singletary, but obviously held Gore and Allen. And don't really have much else to say. Anything there? No, we can switch to actually a much better matchup in the Vikings and Kansas City, where Kansas City won uh, 26-23. to Very impressive win by Kansas City without their quarterback. What, what did you think just about the win in general against a pretty good Minnesota Vikings team that had been rolling, especially on offense? I was never really discouraged by the offensive weapons with Matt Moore. He did get it done through the air, 275 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He managed the game very well. That pass to Tyreek, that one touchdown, the deep ball. The surprise of this game, to me, was Damian Williams. He's back, baby. Is he, though? He had a pretty good game, but is he back? 12 carries, 125 yards, one touchdown. So I think that's really where they went in this game. They managed the clock, they took the time of possession, and they defeated the Vikings. Kirk Cousins still on fire, 220 yards. Three touchdowns and no interceptions. And uh, some surprises from the wide receivers there. Not to me, maybe to you. The wide receivers in Minnesota, you mean? Uh, Yes. Where old boy Stefan Diggs have been having three games with 140 yards, I believe, or averaging 140 yards the past three games. Had one reception for four yards on four targets. That was really disappointing to see. Um, Obviously, Adam Thielen left this game after seven snaps, so... The coach said he'll play whenever the doctors say he'll play, which really means that he's going to be out for a couple more weeks at least. That's usually never a good sign when the coach uh, can't really give you a definite answer on that. Um, yeah, very disappointing game on the receiving core. Dalvin Cook was, you know, had the most receptions with four for 45 yards. He was disappointing in the rushing game with 20, 21 carries and 71 yards. So that's kind of why Minnesota lost this game. 
just no no just no big plays for Minnesota overall a bunch of you know 10 15 20 yards but you know didn't really blow the gasket off on any of these plays so do they really need Thielen back as especially against a Kansas City Chiefs defense that's not really strong no I think they definitely rushed him out there and as you said there's no timetable for his return because I think they're not going to make that mistake again um, they're going to keep him out there make sure he's 100% but they for before they roll him out there a couple of people that shined on the receiving core, uh, Laquan Treadwell had some huge plays. He averaged almost 20 yards per catch. And then BC Johnson for the second straight week scores a touchdown, but it was only on one target. I'm not going to jump at either of those guys unless it was a deep league. Is there any ads in this game? Um, I don't really think so. If you're really you know, needy for a tight end, whether by week or injuries, or you just struggle at that position. I'd keep an eye on Kyle Rudolph. He's seen some life the past couple of weeks. He's there using him more than just a blocker. And if you remember a couple of years ago, he was, you know, a very premium <laughs> uh, tight end out there. Once so, upon a time. Yeah. So I would keep an eye on him, or if you just want to stash him because you have a bye week, like you have Travis Kelsey on a bye week, week 12, and you just have some empty spot on your bench that, you know, you're just storing an injured player or just a nobody. I don't know. I'll think about Kyle Rudolph, you know, just hold him for a couple of more weeks till you need him and then drop him after that. Speaking of Kelsey, don't panic just yet. He's still seeing the targets, but he's seeing the targets from Matt Moore. I expect him to turn around when Mahomes comes back. Sammy Watkins, I'm not buying into that too often. I think he's going to drop down when Mahomes comes back, actually. Yeah, same, Sammy Watkins obviously just up player to keep i'm not starting him as a wide receiver one wide receiver two a desperate flex start tyreek hill obviously you know is the main guy there and the more i watch tyreek hill play the more i realize the man is so freaking athletic i don't know if you watched the 91 yard touchdown run by damian williams there was a defender about i don't know six seven yards back of damian williams that obviously cannot keep up because damian williams is pretty fast out of nowhere you see tyreek hill just running up there outspeeding everyone and i was like that's ridiculous why don't they just find more in plays in the even the running game or trick plays this guy should be touching the ball one way or the other at least a dozen times a game because he can just make stuff happen he's just so freaking athletic in this game i think they said he hit like 22 miles an hour that's crazy uh, i think it was that run that they were talking about he had eight targets so they do try to get him involved and they do try to Give the ball to him out of the backfield. You have one run for five yards. Something will happen every now and then. You know, I think it's just a different scheme with Matt Moore there than it is with Patrick Mahomes. So there will be plenty of good games from Tyreek Hill. This was a good game, but there will be plenty of weak winning games. Yeah, I agree. And if you have any other wide receivers for this team, just, just drop them. They don't matter anymore. Agreed. All right, the Jets and the Dolphins. And I keep getting these advertisements playing in my ear every time I switch the game. It's because this was such a good game. <laughs> I mean, what more can you possibly want? A 1-7 and seven team and a 1-7 and seven team. <laughs> now, you know, I'd love to see this matchup again next week, see who it would go to. It's not going to happen. But fantasy-wise, there were some surprises here. Ryan Fitzpatrick played pretty well. 288 yards, three touchdowns. That was nice to see. Um, Mark Walton, like we talked about last week, you liked him because he's a starting running back, and yeah, there is value in keeping that, but this team just cannot do much in the running game. They couldn't do it with Drake, and especially now you see him go into the Cardinals, and you're like, 
Oh, Drake is a really good running back. Oh my god, did you see him, how fast he is, how he's just juking these players left and right? He wasn't doing that in Miami. Mark Walton might look like McCaffrey on another offense. Who knows? Who knows? This is just a really bad team, especially in the running game right now. But there are a few guys in this game to keep an eye on, especially on the receiving corp. Um, and one of them is Devontae Parker, who we have talked about too in excess because he is very talented. Yeah, Devontae Parker's just been limited by poor quarterback play and Adam Gase. Adam Gase had a Devontae Parker. Actually, Adam Gase hated Kenyon Drake, and they got rid of Kenyon Drake, and now look at him, boom, one game on the Cardinals, yeah. and he explodes. And look at Gase now. <laughs> He's so much better with his new weapons. And as you mentioned, Devontae Parker, he's worth an ad. I think he has four straight weeks now with a touchdown. One big player, Preston Williams, 5 for 72, two touchdowns. Turns out he's off for the season now. He got injured. Yeah, and that's what, why Devontae Parker's name should stand out to a lot of people if you're looking for wide receiver help. Don't just avoid him because the words Dolphin or Miami is next to him. Um, he's one of the players to keep an eye on because Preston Williams was averaging seven targets per game. Those targets have to go to someone, and I think Devontae Parker is the best example of that because he has been there a while with that team. He is a veteran player. He's still young where he's athletic and can handle uh, just more targets, more receptions on that team. So if he's available in your league out there and whether you need wide re- receiver help or not, I'll just keep an eye on him as a bench player at least. Um, I think he's going to have a really good rest of the season on this offense. If I needed help, I would add Parker. Uh, one thing about Preston Williams, though, is he was a speedster. He was very quick, way faster than Parker, so Parker might not be able to absorb all those targets because he might not be utilized as Preston Williams was. But as you mentioned, when you're missing you know, this game, Williams got nine targets. They're going to go to someone. And it looks like some of them did go to Mike Kosicki because he had his best game of the season at six receptions for 95 yards. Still somebody I probably wouldn't add. I don't think I want the Dolphins tight end. As you said, don't be scared by the Dolphins name, but I don't want the Dolphins tight end. So I think we could move over to the Jets side of the ball here. Oh yeah, the much more exciting half of this game. Oh yeah, how exciting. Le'Veon Bell, was his career over in New York? Well, there there were rumors that, you know, the Steelers had made an inquisition about, hey, can we get Le'Veon Bell? I don't think I believe that just because of what happened. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this game was just Le'Veon Bell, um, probably his best game of the year because he had eight receptions, 55 yards receiving, 66 yards rushing, no touchdowns as usual. But when does this team ever get many touchdowns? Sam Darnold. You know, after that Cowboy game, I was looking at the rest of the schedule and they won that Cowboy game, what, four weeks ago now or so. And I was like, man, Sam Darnold, if you really need like a white, you know, like a, a quarterback, you know, and maybe some wide receivers. I was like, this could be an offense that could start booming pretty soon. And that hasn't happened with him. You know, I don't know if he's still seeing ghosts or not, but <laughs> just, yeah, just not much hope there. The wide receivers, there is some a couple of guys that had really good games and any of them you like for the rest of the season. Yeah. I've been talking about Jamison Crowder, um, not last week on our podcast or anything, but I've been telling fantasy players, including your girl, hang on to Jamison Crowder. Just hang on to him. Eventually Sam Darnold was going to come back and he was going to make that connection. And he did, you know, Robbie Anderson, he's supposed to be the guy for this team. He's more of a deep brawl, deep ball threat than anything 
only two for 33 yards, and one of those was a 22-yard reception. Jameson Crowder's the number one here, so I would grab him if you can, but he might be owned in most leagues already or try to acquire him for something cheap. That's probably the only thing that I'm looking at in this offense. How about this um, Ryan Griffin kid? He has, I think, back-to-back games with 50 yards and four receptions. I know Hernan is supposed to come back soon, but they've been saying that for about four weeks now. He did, he did have eight targets in this game, so any any hope for him, or do you see any potential over there? I hear what you're saying. I don't think I'm going to buy into him yet, because when Herndon does come back, if he ever comes back, I think it's going to be more of a split. Herndon is going to get some opportunity if he comes there, so I think this is more of a wait and see. Don't waste a roster spot on a Ryan Griffin or Chris Herndon. You don't need a backup tight end like that. You probably already got one that's serviceable. Better than those guys, right? Yeah, you know who's a really good backup tight end? Dallas Godert, which will lead us to our next matchup over here with the Philadelphia Eagles and, of course, my Chicago Bears, my poor Chicago Bears. What do you mean Zach Ertz is the backup tight end? He just had a great game. Not not this week, apparently. Not this week. He just had a great game. I don't think Goddard's going anywhere there, um, but I think you can trust Zach Ertz from now on. Everyone was just waiting for Zach Ertz to pop off, and I think this game shows that he is still an integral part of the offense, and he had 11 targets, caught nine receptions. So I think we're locked and loaded for Zach Ertz for the rest of the season. Tight end five for you for the rest of the season? I know we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, but... Does, does one game buy you a slot in the top five where, where you have been for the last few years? Um, no, yeah, maybe six. Yeah, okay. Because I could think of probably five. Yeah, same here. I, I, I kind of want to see one more week from him. Yeah. I can put him I mean, as I'm top still, five talent, but maybe not for fantasy production just yet. But I'm um, still putting Waller over Ertz. Yeah, we'll talk about him pretty soon. But how about the the running game uh, for the Eagles? We had a we had a comeback home game for Jordan Howard that the Bears traded away for nothing for the flashy kid Davy Mon- Montgomery. Good good comeback game for Howard. You Jordan Howard over four yards per rush, still with a touchdown. He was running with attitude and purpose. He wanted to show that the Bears made a mistake. And I think just as promising is that Miles Sanders, 10 yards for 42, I'm sorry, 10 carries for 42 yards, 10 carries. It looks like he had a lot of opportunity, but when you compare it to Jordan Howard's 19 carries, doesn't seem like too much of an opportunity. Plus, Jordan Howard even got a reception. It was only for one yard, but it's always promising to see him get a couple catches because this is a guy that you said, not you, sorry, not you in particularly, but everyone said cannot catch the ball, and he's done fairly well in that respect on um, the Eagles. So I think Jordan Howard is still the hold, maybe a low-end trade bait. Miles Sanders isn't going to break through this season, but Miles Sanders is definitely a hold in Dynasty. Yeah, if you have Jordan Howard and somebody on the trade market is trying to offer you like a wide receiver too, and you just really need a wide receiver, do it in a heartbeat. Jordan Howard is having a great season, especially these last couple of games, but it's still iffy his role in that offense. So confidently roll him out there as a flex or even RB2, but if you do want to sell high on him, please do. Carson Wentz had a 
pretty good game this week. Maybe not fantasy-wise, but no interceptions, 239 yards and a touchdown. Four carries for 15 yards. At least he's attempting to run the ball again. He had some rushing production early in his career, and then he got hurt, and then just became like a pocket passer. I think it's a good sign that he's actually leaving and trying. Maybe it'll grow from there, but he has that ability to run, so... Maybe it'll lead to a couple of inside the five, you know, goal line opportunities for him. Yeah, I thought this was a big win for the Eagles, especially going against a pretty well decent defense now. Not great defense, but I like the outlook for the rest of the season with Wentz, even though uh, Deshaun Jackson got injured again in this game and he's supposed to be out four to six weeks again. So he really hasn't done much all season except that first week of the season where he just you know, everybody was on the waiver wire. Oh my God. Oh my God. I want to get Deshaun Jackson. So now he looks like he's going to be out four to six weeks. Um, if you have Elshon, it could be the whole season most likely. So if you have Elshon Jeffries or Ertz or Goddard right now, um, I'll pay attention to matchups with at least Goddard and Jeffrey. Ertz is obviously, a, you know, you just have to roll him out there because you invested a lot in him to begin with. But, but keep an eye on Jeffrey, I would say. Yeah, and maybe Nelson Aguilar creeps back into relevance. We'll yeah, see. and doesn't fumble the ball or drop the ball. <laughs> they may have no choice but to, you know, bring him back into relevance. Um, on the bear side of the ball, gloom as always. Mitchell Trubisky, 10 for 21, 125 yards. You know, I heard that the coaching staff told him that he needs to watch himself on TV because he's a very sour puss on TV. And they said they got to watch the way he makes faces. Isn't that called watching tape, which clearly none of these guys do, including the coach? <laughs> they just don't watch any tape. Trubisky doesn't know where his receivers are going to be. The receivers don't seem to know where they're going to be. In the first half, by the end of the first half, I think they had only one yard of total offense. Um, those 14 points came towards the end of the third and the fourth. So don't don't let those 14 points even stand out as little as they are, but... Um, this is just one of the worst offenses, or I shouldn't say worst offenses, um, most mismanaged offenses I've ever seen because they do have a lot of like skilled position players that if they were another team, they would be top 10 at that position in fantasy, whether it be somebody like Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, obviously Allen Robinson the second. Heck, Taylor Gabriel used second. to be a really good. You threw the second I gotta throw in there. the second in, man. You gotta show respect. <laughs> what if the first is listening to our podcast and he's like, "Are they talking about me?" <laughs> like, you know. But yeah, Allen Robinson, five targets, one reception for six yards. If you're getting five targets, you should have more than one reception. And it's not because Allen Robinson is a small guy and can go get the ball, or he's slow. It's because of the quarterback. It's because of that coach. I was talking to my brother-in-law this week. I was like, I think they're going to fire the coach. And he was like, no, they have too much invested in him. I was like, no, they have too much invested in Trubisky because they let go of Watson you know, and Mahomes, and they traded up to go to him. So I think they're going to give him another year. But this coach, like, you have Tariq Cohen. Like, what happened to Tariq Cohen? He's, he's one of the biggest, like, just big play potential players in the league and just nothing, absolutely nothing this season. Tariq Cohen, two... Re- Two receptions for nine yards, two carries for seven yards. It's like, come on. Like, this whole team ran less than less than 40 plays this game. Like, I don't know. I was just really disappointed. I watched that whole game. I was hoping they would win this game against a pretty good team and it would kind of turn their season around. But this team is just, just went down right now. They don't have a lot of draft capital 
to build this team up. It just everything is just so bad for this team. It reminds me of the Jaguars two years ago when they lost in the playoffs, and people are like, "Oh, they're going to come back next season. They have an elite defense. They're ready to win now. They just their quarterback is going to play better because it's another year." And it's like just everything is just going away. Even the defense is disappearing lately. But I'm sorry. Do you have something to say, Joe? There's like, a lot of pounding golly. something going on over there. One thing about this terrible Bears performance is that we questioned David Montgomery after having a great game last week. We questioned him coming into this week saying, you know, the Eagles are pretty competent. It might be a tough match. But I think the Bears are just so bad now that they have no choice but to go to Montgomery. He got two touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. I think they were both they inside were, the 5 They were both one-yarders. Both of them one yarders. Because they can't so. trust to throw the ball in the end zone, so they got to give it to Montgomery. And then he had three for 36 in the passing game, too. So, you know what? Tariq Cohen is efficient. He's a great receiver, great producer. It's clear they want a three down back, though. And if Montgomery could go three for 36, I think that's a positive sign. Even though he did get 30 yards and one catch, at least he has big play potential. Yeah, just so many weapons on that team. Cordell Patterson, he was supposed to be, oh, I'm, he's well, going to be no like a new toy. It's He's like, a special teams player. I know, but still use him. Like, why sign him? I don't know. Fire the coach. So, well, David Montgomery, on. you're going to hang on to him, obviously. Yes, he hang has on a pretty to him. Good outlook. Still start him. I mean, Alan you Robinson invested a lot takes in a him, hit, so. but you got to hold on to Allen Robinson. Let's move on to the Colts and the Steelers for another weird game. Uh, Jacoby Brissett goes out almost immediately, and Brian Hoyer steps in. Uh, Mason Rudolph, more trash as always. What are the highlights of this game? Brian Hoyer, I guess. Probably your MVP of the game. 168 yards passing, three touchdowns, and an interception. Most of those um, (laughs) completions went to Zach. His name is not Pascal. It's Pascal, I think. It sounds better when you say Pascal. I know, it's a fancier name. It's a much fancier name. He has has better trade appeal also that way. Zach Pascal stepped up in T.Y. Hilton's absence and actually looked like a good NFL receiver. Uh, Marlon Mack, 21 carries for 89 yards. Those are your two top guys. Paris Campbell, who everyone thought was going to do great, he didn't do terrible, caught all five of his touchdowns. One funny thing is, did you see him when he was running towards the end zone and he tripped on nothing and fell and fumbled the ball? It wasn't he didn't fumble. The ground fumbled the ball. But they actually called it a fumble out of bounds on the field. And he was just running straight. Nobody around him. And he just tripped over his own feet, fell and fumbled. I didn't see that, but that sounds like a very disappointing thing to do on the football (laughs) field. Also, I'm pretty sure he got injured this game with a hand fracture. So, Oh, yeah, I think I did hear something about that. If you're able to pick up Zach Pascal, or if you haven't, like, Go run and pick him up right now because he's a number one receiver on this team. And he Um, is still out there in a lot of leagues. He is, yeah. With no T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. could be out for a couple of more weeks. Um, Paris is supposed to be out for at least, you know, three to four weeks. So You got Zach Pascal and Chester Rogers from last week or last year. Yeah, what do you think about, uh, I'm sorry, what do you think about uh, Chester Rogers with these two injuries happening? He did catch a touchdown. Do you think he's going to get any of this uh, receiving work or do you think... Uh, a bigger role for Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle is coming up. I think Rodgers is going to get the more targets. He had five targets this game. They don't really, they don't buy into one tight end. So 
Last year, everyone was kind of overhyped on Eric Ebron, and I said, don't get too overhyped on Eric Ebron. He's going to come back, and he's going to do well, but you're also going to have Jack Doyle coming back. In the last podcast I had for a short time, the two dudes that I was with on that, they loved Eric Ebron and laughed at me when I told them that Jack Doyle is going to eat into his production. And look at Jack Doyle this game. Three for 22 is a touchdown. Point being is they run a lot of two tight end sets, and they're not going to get dedicated production to one or the other. They're always going to split production. So I think that the wide receiver targets from the missing wide receivers are going to go to Chester Rogers and not so much the tight ends. If they do go to the tight ends, what are you going to take? Three or four targets and divide it between two people. It's not going to go to one person. So I would buy into Chester Rogers. He's worth an ad if everybody is going to be out as long as they think they are going to be out. Yeah, I like uh, Chester Rogers as well. So obviously more matchup dependent, being that he is the wide receiver two on this team now behind Zach Pascal. Um, still a running team. They still had 29 attempts to run the ball. So about 50-50 passing and rushing for this team. Um, if Brissett misses more time, which they're saying he might be back this upcoming week, and hopefully he is because um, he is a better quarterback than Brian Hoyer. There's a reason Brian Hoyer has been around for about 40 years acting as a backup. Um, I think it was a backup to Jim, Jim McMahon and the 85 Bears, but I might be wrong. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, hopefully Brissett comes back. I think that's a big boom for this offense. So, um, obviously, keep rolling Marlon Mack out there. We talked about him last week. Uh, he's not getting his touchdowns. He's not getting a lot of yards. He's still got over 20 carries. That's what you want out of a running back. So RB2, RB3, just just keep him out there. The touchdowns should come, hopefully. Uh, but we can move on to this uh, Pittsburgh team. That The offensive stats might not be here for fantasy. Um, well, except for maybe one guy. But uh, this was a total defense game for Pittsburgh, who's rounding out really well on that side of the ball. Yeah, with Mason Rudolph, 26 completions, 35 attempts, one touchdown, one interception. Half of his completions went to Jalen Samuels, 13 receptions for 73 yards. You know how many targets? 13. He caught every single ball thrown his way. That's like 100%. (laughs) He must be very SMRT. Yeah, and with, with Rudolph... If you're a smart enough pickup, Jalen Samuels, um, great pickup for you. I wasn't very confident. In I don't PPR. know why. Yeah, in, in PPR, PPR, yeah. I I don't know why I didn't pick him up. Both the leagues that I'm I pay attention close attention to are half PPR leagues, so I don't know why I didn't pick him up or even pay attention to him. I was just like, nah, like it's just such a dry offense. I'm not going to bother. But dry offenses. Players like these succeed, and I know. Didn't you pick him up in one of the leagues? Yeah, I got him. Not in our league, but I got him in my dynasty league. I tried picking him up in our league, but I think he was like the number one waiver claim that week. Surprisingly, that most of the people in our league aren't very savvy fantasy players, but they still got him. So, yeah, he's a great pickup. We still have no word on Connor for next week. Kind of disappointed in the running game. Eight for ten. Uh, Trey Edmonds did go 12 for 73, but Jalen Samuels, he can run the ball. The Colts um, running defense is pretty good. I don't know if it was kind of a scheme thing where they maybe played the run a little bit more heavy when Samuels was on the field, but he definitely got shut down in the run game. Uh, I am still going to start him next week, especially in 
the flex spot, maybe even a low end RB2, especially in PPR leagues. Yeah, definitely roll him out, especially after this performance. Keep an eye on Trey Edmonds. If he's available, pick him up. I'm sure you have one player on your team that you're keeping but hasn't done anything for four to five weeks. Uh, but you like him because, you know, either plays for your favorite team or something like that. Just drop that player, pick up Trey Edmonds. If the Connor injury is continuing, he's going to be the the lead running back for rushing at least on a team that prefers to run the ball versus pass. And this was against, like you said, a very good uh, running defense. So I'll definitely keep an eye on Trey Edmonds. He should be available in really most leagues right now because he had only had one carry leading up to this game all season, and that was the week before. So definitely keep an eye on that guy. Last week... I compared Deontay Johnson to Juju Smith-Schuster, and it appears I was correct to compare Deontay Johnson to Juju Smith-Schuster because they both suck. Yeah, such. <laughs> yeah, just with this with this quarterback, I mean, he can't really stretch the field. Um, the longest passing play of the game was for forty yards by James Washington, and most of that was not through the air. So. Exactly. Um, if you have Juju, I guess keep rolling him out there. He's talented and whatnot. You can't really sit him. You probably most people probably invested a first round pick in Juju. Yep. Um, or, or at least early, an early second. Yeah, or an early second. So I mean, unless you just got all the sleepers this year at the wide receiver position, by all means, then you know bench him. But just just keep rolling him out. He's he's still the best talent on that team. So not much you can do. It's not it's not your fault. We didn't know Big Ben was going to get injured. It's not your fault. <laughs> Don't hate yourself. I mean, it is your fault because Big Ben got injured very early <laughs> in the season, so you should have picked up at least a couple of guys by now to reinforce your wide receiver position. Hey, it could have been worse. You could have drafted Odell Beckham. But That's mean, Joe, because I just traded for Odell Beckham. All right, let's go to the Titans and the Panthers. And here we are. With Ryan Tannehill, 27 completions, 39 attempts, 331 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Doesn't sound like a great game, but he had all those yards. He had a touchdown, and he made it up for it on the ground. Ryan Tannehill, four carries, 38 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Is Tannehill a viable starter, especially in two-quarterback leagues? Oh, two-quarterback leagues, for sure. Um, Just because... They are wanting to pass the ball with him more now, and they're going to be down on a lot of games. They're not as good a team as they even showed earlier in the season when their defense was really standing out. Their defense is not standing out anymore, so they are going to get in more shootouts like they did with uh, the Carolina Panthers, who have a backup quarterback themselves. Um, I would start Tannenhill, top 20 quarterback for the rest of the season, so if you need to take a flyer on him on a bye week, there are worse options out there. Um, the running game was really nice to see with 38 yards. Um, one of those was a 25 yard and it goes to show you, he is an athletic quarterback back there. So if you are desperate, he's not, I mean, he's better than, you know, I don't know, either the New York quarterbacks, uh, better than Carolina's Kyle Allen that has more weapons. So he's just going to see more volume. He likes to spread the ball around a lot because they don't really have a number one or even a, a wide receiver too on their team when it comes to fantasy. But any anybody else catch your eye on this team? Before we pass, are you going to go with Tannehill or Minshew? I'm still going with Minshew. 
Okay. Just because I think Fournette is a better back. Uh, not that Henry is not a good running back, but that's all he is. He's a running back. He's not going to do a lot in the reception game, even though he had three receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown to kind of <laughs> save save his uh, <laughs> to like save his week. But he's he's not three that player, so he's not he's not the focus of that offense. Like you know, Fournette is on that team that's going to open up a lot of. A lot of you know passing lanes for those um, wide receivers, and the wide receivers are much better on Jacksonville, I think, especially if D.D. Westbrook comes back. But if Foles comes back, then you know this this is a this conversation is moot at that point. So yeah, I like Tannehill. I would own Tannehill. I'd roster Tannehill, like you said, especially in two quarterback leagues. If it's uh, somewhere where I have a deeper bench and I could afford to put him on there, then maybe I would consider if I had to. I would rather have them have him than a lot of the quarterbacks you mentioned. As far as everyone else on this team, I can't really trust anyone. I'm still not trusting uh, Davis Humphreys or A.J. Brown. Other than Derrick Henry, of course, you're going to run out with him. What about Corey Davis? I said, how about Corey Davis? Are you trusting him? I I know you're not trusting him. No. Yep. Anything else about Titans? No, nothing else about Titans. Let's move on right, to the Carolina. Let's Christian talk McCaffrey. about the best player. Christian McCaffrey did work as well. Twenty-four carries, one hundred forty-six yards, just two touchdowns. As you said, didn't really. Um, he kind of made a mockery of this Titans defense. This was supposed to be pretty good, and then DJ Moore seven receptions for one hundred one yards. Is it time to trust DJ Moore? Yeah, I've trusted DJ Moore all season. He's seen a lot of targets. The touchdowns are not coming for him. But, I mean, the thing about these type of teams, the Carolina Panthers, they're relying a lot on one player like Christian McCaffrey. Those wide receivers are going to lose out on a lot of touchdowns. Um, Curtis Samuels got a touchdown this week, but he only had three receptions on 64 yards. So I'm always going to go with a guy that's seeing more targets and seeing more snaps and seeing more receptions in the game. So DJ Moore is... Definitely a hole, definitely a start uh, as a flex position. If you have to start him as a wide receiver too, you're a little desperate at that point or you're just really heavy at the running back position. But, I mean, regardless who the quarterback is back there, he seems to be the favorite. Yeah, I think DJ Moore is a strong a high-end wide receiver too at this point. I am going to go after Curtis Samuel too. He is owned in like 70% of the leagues, but if he's somehow out there, I say go get him. In the past three games, he's averaged over 50 yards, and he has two touchdowns in the past three games. We heard a lot of hype about him coming into the season, and maybe that hype is starting to show, and that skill is starting to come out. So I'm on the mindset that I'm just going to wait and see what happens with him. Maybe start him as a flex if I have to. Nothing much else here. Should we go on to the Lions and the Raiders? Yeah, let's move on Lions-Raiders, which was definitely one of the more exciting games of the week. And the guys that you expected to produce in this game, they produced. Some surprises. And, well, you said you expected it, but it was still some of the surprise. Derek Carr, 289 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 116 passer rating. Derek Carr is a good quarterback again. And Josh Jacobs continues his terror 28 carries 120 yards for two touchdowns his most carries of the year at 28 and he's now a top 10 running back in my opinion what do you think about both of those guys yeah definitely a top 10 running back with josh jacobs gruden 
he liked him a lot in the beginning of the season. He hyped him up a lot. He was so-so, you know, maybe the first quarter of the season he wasn't being very consistent, but the second quarter of the season he's just been tearing it up. He's been playing like a true RB1, you know, a guy that you roll out there and, you know, you're expecting 20 points from him. You're expecting him to make up for a bad game from your defense or a bad game from from your kicker. Um, Derek Carr, he's he's been consistent, so... This was definitely a great matchup, obviously, against the Lions. Uh, I think we both talked about this in the last podcast where we were like, man, both quarterbacks might go for, you know, 400 yards. Only one of them did, but the other one was <laughs> was more efficient because they were scoring touchdowns, so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, a lot to like out of Derek Carr right now. Um, do you feel comfortable with him being, you know, your quarterback one and he's one of those guys that you throw out there regardless of matchups yet because he has been playing pretty well lately? Yeah, I like Derek Carr right now, and I think what I like about him is that, well, it's bad for the wide receivers, but he utilizes all his weapons. He's very Aaron Rodgers-esque right now in the fact that he'll hit five or six different receivers throughout the game and give you know three or four of them a consistent amount of targets. So he had, let's see, he had nine different receivers in this game whether they were wide receivers or running backs and two touchdowns. He's spreading the ball out. Uh, he's taken more than the first read. He's looking downfield, looking around the field. So I think really, I think not having a wide receiver one is helping him. He doesn't have a go-to guy <laughs> and it's actually helping him look to alternative reads. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And his go-to guy for the better part of the season has been Darren Waller only had two receptions for 52 yards, but only on two targets. And I think most of that was because um, the Lions kept dropping the safety on into double coverage with Waller, uh, which is fine because that means it's opening up, you know, the passing lanes for guys like Hunter Renfro, who we, we also talked about last week. You liked him. I didn't so much. Um, you know, Jalen Richard is making a comeback. He had 56 yards in the receiving game. So that's really nice to see him you know, passing the ball around. And even um, your best friend, Zay Jones, had three receptions and 21 yards. So The first action of the season. Yeah, there we go. So, you know, maybe he emerges as a wide receiver too behind Renfro or, you know, maybe Tyrell Williams that had a lot of potential coming into the season starts standing out. He didn't have a bad game, but things are looking up for, for the offensive side, at least of Oakland. Um, I'm pretty excited about this team. Yeah, Zay Jones turned it on the second half of the season last year, so let's get it again going this year. Like you said, Jalen Richard more into the receiving uh, core, which is kind of a bad sign for Josh Jacobs because he did have two targets, but he dropped them both. Um, so Richard had four targets, three receptions, 56 yards. If Jacobs could have gotten that 56 yards, boy, would it have been even sweeter. He had a pretty sweet game, Joe. Don't, don't get aggressive. Oh, we're greedy here Mm-mm. at the faction. But you're like aggressive and greedy, <laughs> you know. All right, let's go on to Tampa Bay and Seahawks. And we have... We're not the... going to do Detroit. Oh, we didn't do Detroit? <laughs> we did not do Detroit. Oh, well, you mentioned Matt Stafford going off, so I'm sorry. And I closed the window, so now I can't see it. So let's go to Detroit. Uh, the surprise was J.D. McKissick, I think. Yeah, I I guess you can call it a surprise because he had one touchdown on the receiving end, but only four carries for 32 yards. Yeah, but that's good Ty yardage Johnson, on four carries. Yeah, Ty Johnson, nine carries, 29 yards. Um, 
Stay so you away take away from... those nine carries at under three yards per carry and give it to J.D. McKissick, and then maybe we got something. Yeah, but they're not because, you know, Paul Perkins saw three carries in this game. I would just stay away from those running backs. But, you know, last week we I, I at least made the point that this was a passing offense that could support three wide receivers in Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., as well as Danny Amendola. Two out of three of them had a really, really good game. Danny Amendola, only three receptions, 29 yards, but was targeted five times. But Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones just tore it up. Um, both wide receiver won production this week. Um, just really monster games. Marvin Jones was targeted 10 times with eight receptions, 126 yards, and a touchdown. Kenny Galladay, four receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Things are looking really nice for these uh top two receivers at least for this game uh, for Detroit. So do you have a lot of faith in Marvin Jones? I know Kenny Galladay is a must start, but how about Marvin Jones Jr.? I think we talked about this last time. I said I'm still not trusting Marvin Jones at this point. I think you got to buy into him because Matt Stafford is going crazy passing the ball. Uh, what's funny is the final play, like their final drive where they were trying to score and they threw it in the end zone and they dropped it. It was broken up or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? I don't. Lions, pretty sure that's the Lions at the final drive. <laughs> well, I don't remember Joe. <laughs> Anyways, there was a drive for the Lions where they were trying to score a touchdown, and TJ Hawkinson was open in the end zone, and Matt Stafford did not pass it to him. He threw it to somebody else who was in coverage when TJ Hawkinson was wide open. Probably because he thought he just dropped the ball anyway, so he said, what's the point? Yeah, TJ Hawkinson, I think, dropped a couple of balls this game. He did have seven targets, but only for three receptions. So he's he's probably in a lot of you know leagues that he's available out there. I mean, if you need a tight end, you can do worse because this is a passing offense. So I'd keep an eye on, on him for the rest of the season. I've held on to him, but I thought about dropping him so many times, but I've just kept holding yeah, it's just a position, and you know, if your tight end, your number one tight end, hasn't had his bye week yet, just just keep him rolling for another week. But we can move All on. Right, now to we the can move on now that we did Buccaneers and Seahawks. Yar. This was actually a really good game. It we went into overtime, so this was a the true essence of a shootout, I would say, <laughs> uh, by both quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks looked really good. No interceptions by either quarterback. Uh, both went over 300 yards. That was really nice to see. Obviously, Russell Wilson had five passing touchdowns. That's really nice to see. Any thoughts about Russell Wilson? Um, as a fantasy, like I, I like I know people are always talking about him being an MVP of the league, and yeah, definitely, you know, he should be in that conversation. But can he be an MVP of like your team at this point, even as a quarterback, where you can get a pretty deep value when you're drafting? Well, Russell Wilson wasn't the highest-touted quarterback coming into the season. Uh, you know, a lot of people doubted him, including myself. So I think at this point, for where you drafted him, he probably is the MVP. You know, you drafted Rodgers over him. You drafted Mahomes over him. I'm sure, uh, well, definitely Watson. Watson, Baker, Mayfield. I'm sure even, um, who's the other one I was going to say? Matt Ryan. Probably. But there's still another one I was going to say that I can't think of. Tom now. Brady. But anyways, I think at this point for where you drafted him, he probably is going to be your fantasy MVP. You know, five touchdowns. Even if you're only in a four-point per passing touchdown, that's 20 points right there. So I think if you got Russell Wilson, you got a gem. 
he is really helping out the whole team too. Uh, we got Tyler Lockett, I think with his most targets and the most receptions that he's had since he's been uh, the number one receiver there. 13 receptions, 18 targets, 152 yards, and two touchdowns. And just behind him, DK Metcalf, 6 for 123 in a touchdown. But I think the biggest surprise here is the backup tight end, J- Jacob Hollister. Four That's for 37 and two touchdowns. Hollister, I bet he smells beautiful. Oh, I know he smells beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was really nice to see, especially because people were uh, touting up uh, Luke Wilson a lot. So it's really nice to see Hollister out there. Obviously, I don't think a lot of people had picked Hollister up in their leagues. I'm sure he's still there. Um, I don't know if I would buy into this game because, like I said, this was a true shootout uh, where the teams, you know, really try to gun it out. Um, 43 attempts passing in this game to only 22 carries for the rushing attack of Seattle. You're not going to see that a lot. You're maybe going to see a 60-40 split most of the time um, or even like a 50-50 split if it's a low-scoring game. Uh, Chris Carson still had a really good game, though. He didn't have a touchdown, but he still had a really good game. He had two receptions, 28 yards, 16 carries, 105 yards. So that was really nice to see, especially on that uh, big 59-yarder he had. Yeah, after being a little bit worried about Carson, he came out and played very well. Like you said, no touchdowns, but he still had over 12 points, 12 or 13 points, depending on your scoring. So they're still going to roll him out every week. Um, Buccaneers side? Yeah, let's jump over to everything. Yeah, let's jump Uh, over to the Buccaneers side where the quarterback also stood out on this. Jameis Winston had 335 yards and two touchdowns. This is a couple of back-to-back weeks. He's played fairly well, at least fantasy-wise. But what's what's your idea for Jameis Winston? Do you think he's getting more comfortable in this uh, with this coaching staff with Bruce Arians, who is supposed to be like a quarterback guru and you know just a one of the better offensive minds in the league? Do you see like you know? top 10 quarterback the rest of the season for Jameis Winston. I know he has the potential, obviously, and he has the weapons, but do you see it on a consistent basis, you would say? I think Jameis is going to be a QB1, uh, maybe lower end of the top 10. If he could just stop throwing these interceptions and stop throwing these um, ridiculous, like, out-of-nowhere catches that just don't even go to the receivers, he'll do a lot better. And I think with the emergence of Mike Evans, it has helped him. Um God, Mike Evans has been great. When Jameis chucks the ball downfield with no direction, Evans has somehow come down with it. I'm still going to roll out Jameis if I have him, unless I have a really good quarterback to go over him. Um, I'm not really worried about him, though. Even if he does give up the interceptions, he's still going to score the points. Who I am worried about a little bit is Chris Godwin. So seven receptions, nine targets for 61 yards. He's still seeing the targets. He's seeing the receptions, but he's not getting the big plays, and he's not getting the touchdowns. Chris Godwin, is he still the 1A, 1B with Evans, or is he a wide receiver too now? I think he's uh, still a 1A, 1B. Everybody was saying the same thing you're saying about Godwin now about Evans in the first quarter of the season. I tried to trade for Evans in both uh, my leagues earlier in the season because people are like, oh, man, he gave me zero points this week. He gave me two points. 
And I was like, okay, let me give you something nice and let me take Mike Evans off your hands. And I think it's going to be the same thing with Chris Godwin the rest of the season. He can easily come back the next two weeks where he has 120-yard games and two touchdowns. Um, I'm not really worried about Chris Godwin still. He's still seeing saw the second-most receptions on this team. There's really nobody else that's, you know, heralded as a good wide receiver or even a good tight end since both of them are injured right now and weren't being used regardless. Um, Brashad Perryman had four receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown. I don't really care about him. It's still an Evans and Godwin show, so keep rolling those guys out out there as wide receiver one. I'm extremely comfortable with both of them. Yeah, I think more of it is maybe they're uh, starting to play Godwin a little heavy and trying to shut him down. And since Evans hasn't been on the field all year, uh, you know, defenses are still trying to figure him out with that connection between Jameis because it is kind of random. You know, one time he'll be hitting you for seven yards and then running the ball after, and then the next play, you know, it's like a 90-yard pass. So it's kind of random, and I think people are still trying to feel him out. And maybe once they get Evans more locked down, Godwin will open up again. All right, well, we can easily, I mean, that was one of the better matchups of the week. We can jump to actually another fairly close game between the Browns and the Denver Broncos. Not, not as exciting a game because just watching Cleveland out there, all those players look depressed and they kind of get make you mad because you're looking at a bunch of sad men who are playing a football game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just typical Cleveland out there. Baker Mayfield, 273 yards, one touchdown. Surprisingly, or not even surprisingly, but shockingly, no interceptions this game. Um, so his stat line didn't look that bad, but... Not great still. Not great, yeah. And these us I mean, obviously Denver is a really good, you know, defense and especially in the passing game, they're really strong, but Baker Mayfield does have just a lot of weapons out there and just not targeting Odell. People aren't even really doubling up on Odell anymore. Um he only saw six targets for five receptions, eighty seven yards. It's you just that's still one of his the best ball. games. Of the I season. know, I know, and that's <laughs> and that's really sad to say that. That's probably his like second or third best game of the season. But it just like you you got to get him the ball. And Mayfield, I like I don't know what we saw last year in the second half where he was just looking so explosive and he was making these deep throws down the field. Just you know, every, every quarter there was at least you know one one big play by Mayfield, and we're just not seeing that anymore. It's you know. All the deep throws seem to be off by, you know, four to seven yards. And it just, jar- like Jarvis Landry was targeted 13 times for six receptions at 51 yards. You know what that means? He was getting targeted a lot on <laughs> passing plays that were like three to five yards from the line of scrimmage. And it's like, come on, give me some big plays here. Plus, he was targeted with bad throws if you only call it 50% because Jarvis Landry is a guy that usually catches most of the balls thrown his way. Yeah, great round runner. And he got his first touchdown of the season this year. So there that is. And Odell, as you said, probably one of his best games, 5 for 87. I'm still not buying into Odell. He's still set for me. Uh, the only person I'm started on this Browns team is Nick Chubb, and he didn't even have a great game. But now with the coming of Kareem Hunt, we can see what happens. I mean, I think we brought this up before. They need some spark in this offense, and maybe Kareem Hunt provides that. I mean, if you if Kareem Hunt is available in your league and he he still is in a lot of leagues, do you pick him off? Like, let's say, do you drop, let's say, a Royce Freeman uh, that's on the Denver Broncos to pick him up? <laughs> Who do you think is going to have more opportunities and like you know 
I don't know if it's going to be a split carry type of, you know, game plan once uh, versus Chubb, but. If I have Royce Freeman, I probably have hopefully three running backs that are better than Royce Freeman because going into the season, Philip Lindsay was so much higher than Royce Freeman. So if I have Royce Freeman and three good running backs or serviceable RB2s, whatever, then I am taking Cream Hunt. If uh, Royce Freeman is my primary RB3 or my flex, then I'm probably not going to take Cream Hunt. Any chance Kareem Hunt plays so well that he, you know, negates uh, Nick Chubb to like a running back two or like a running back, let's say running back three, because Nick Chubb, you know, he he is very inconsistent because of this offense. So I actually loved Kareem Hunt coming out of college and coming into the league before the draft, before he went on Kansas City. He was like my favorite RB of that class. And... I don't know if his production was from Andy Reid, but I think he has a great opportunity to produce on Cleveland. But Chubb is a very great talent as well. So I think that at worst, it'll be like 60-40. Okay. So 40 percent of the carries, that's, you know, 10 carries a game at least for him. So that's... That's a lot of carries. That's more than I'm thinking. But Chubb also produces in the receiving game, and I don't know if Hunt is going to get those receptions if Chubb is around. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very un- unpredictable offense. Uh, but we can move on to the Denver game, which we had Brandon Allen. Never heard of Brandon Allen before this game. He played okay. He had 20 attempts for 170 or 193 yards, two touchdowns, only 20 attempts. It is what it is. Only 20 uh, carries for the winning Denver Broncos this game with Philip Lindsay making a couple of big plays in the running game. Uh, do you think Philip Lindsay is at some point in the season going to put, you know, his his print on the offensive side of the ball where it's like, hey, like stop splitting, you know, the carries with Royce Freeman and I I am the more talented back. Like or do you think it's just gonna go the way it has all season, almost a fifty fifty uh split? I think now more than ever is gonna stay a fifty fifty split because with Brandon Allen, I don't think they're gonna be able to throw a lot in this game. They threw twenty times and that's probably gonna be the most that they're gonna be able to throw. I know they got down quick, but in not every game they're going to get down quick because the defense is still good. They, they didn't go down. I read Who it didn't go down? They didn't go down. They were ahead. I read it the wrong oh, way. Okay. I still think that Brandon Allen is going to affect this team. Uh, you know, you thought that they were going to come out and run the ball more, but... I think at the same time that if they do run the ball more, the defense is going to know they're going to run the ball because Brandon Allen is just not a good quarterback. So I do like Lindsey over Royce Freeman, but I don't ever think he's really going to break out as an RB1 because I think they're going to be looking for the run more times than not. Yeah, and um, on the receiving side of this um, Denver Bronco team, Noah Fant, he had you know one really, really nice big play for 75 yards. He had the touchdown, 115 yards overall on three receptions. Um, guy I would pay more attention to uh, would be Cortland Sutton. He had five receptions for 56 yards, eight targets. Manuel Sanders is not there anymore. There's not much in the receiving core in general. Um, I mean, we saw Devontae Booker, that's a running back, be the third leading receiver on this team. And we one reception seen him like at all. 14 yards. Season. At all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show you if you have Cortland Sutton, especially 
if it's like a bad matchup where the team is not, you know, the greatest defense, I'd roll him out there because he, he might be getting you 10, 12 receptions a game. Maybe not many yards, but he's going to get you a lot of receptions. So if you're in a PPR, even half PPR, I'll definitely keep an eye on Cortland Sutton. I'd even, he's even a really good, like, buy low candidate because you can be like, hey, you know, he's not, he's really like a wide receiver three and the quarterback is injured to whoever you're trying to trade. So I'll, I'll definitely try to make a move for him now uh, if I could. Yeah, Cortland Sutton is a good buy low, as you said, with the situation now that Flacco's gone. On Noah fans, he did get most of his yards on one play, but on the other two receptions, he had 40 yards. I would say that he is somebody to keep an eye on as well. They got their buy coming up, so it's not somebody you have to add this week, but next week, definitely look out for him. All right, over to the Packers and Chargers. Yeah, this was a weird game. What a shocker. This was a shocker. I mean, good good for the Chargers because they're not a bad team, or at least coming into the season, they weren't projected to be a bad team. And I know injuries took a toll and whatnot, but um, I'm really happy they got a win, especially versus Green Bay. So let's just hit Green Bay first. Aaron Rodgers, 23 completions, only 35 attempts, 161 yards and a touchdown. Aaron Jones, 8 carries for only 30 yards. They only had 11 total rushes for 45 yards from the team, so they're down on both sides of the ball. Is this something you're going to worry about, Aaron Jones, or is this just a freak thing because they went down 19-0? I think it's a freak thing. The offense just wasn't clicking in general, and like you said, I didn't expect Green Bay, especially against the Chargers defense, to go scoreless in the you know first half of the game. Um, I'm not too worried about Aaron Jones. He's produced for you all season. This was a bad game. As a team, they only rushed the ball 11 times, and he had eight of them. Um, he didn't do anything in the passing game. Well, he did. He got you minus one yard on four <laughs> targets. But I'm I'm not worried about him, even though this was not you know the worst you know matchup or the best matchup. It was just a mediocre team that was coming in there. I'm not worried about him. I'm still rolling him out as a running back one, extremely confident, expecting him to be like the leading scorer on my team. Um, I do worry about him a little bit because Jamal Williams outperformed him. Jamal Williams only had two carries for 10 yards, but he had six receptions for 39 yards and a touchdown. And maybe that was the only person that Aaron Rodgers was able to find on the field for that game, but he did get the production. Uh, Devontae Adams, his first game back, only seven receptions on 11 targets for only 41 yards. Um, maybe they were trying to force feed Devontae, and he just wasn't the best option, which kind of limited the offense on other sides. I don't really think so because the longest play of this game was 17 yards, which is not an Aaron Rodgers game. So something was just off. Maybe having Devontae back in the offense, they just need to adjust and make some plays. Uh, maybe the Chargers were just slandered so much this season that they decided to show up on defense uh either way they really humiliated the packers on this one uh the first place nfc north team uh, on the Chargers side of the ball philip rivers 294 but no touchdowns the touchdowns went to melvin gordon this game he had two on the ground is melvin gordon back or was this just a one-time deal um I don't want to say this is a one-time deal or that Melvin Gordon is back because it's still, you know, they're still going to split the carries on that offense. Austin Eckler still had 12 carries for 70 yards, better average than Melvin Gordon did. Melvin Gordon, like last season a lot, and like really his whole career, he steals a lot of those, you know, 
goal line work. Goal line work, you know, four yards and in. He's getting those type of touchdowns because he is a bigger back. I'm still, you know, if you have Melvin Gordon, by all means, start him. Same with Austin Eckler. I wouldn't worry about either player. Am I pegging Melvin Gordon to be a, a top five running back? No. Am I, you know, doing the same with Austin Eckler? No. But my faith at least has grown in Melvin Gordon just because he did see 20 carries and he came in to win. Um, granted, the Green Bay, you know, rushing defense is not the greatest either. But uh, it was nice to see the Chargers, you know, carry the ball 38 times as a team. Uh, more more running than passing. Yeah, more running than passing, which means less production for Keenan Allen. Three for four on 40 yards. Um, still not really known if Keenan Allen is 100% healthy. Um, but you got his counterpart. So Keenan Allen, only three receptions on four targets for 40 yards. But his counterpart, Mike Williams... Three receptions on four targets for 111 yards. Should we start worrying about Keenan Allen? And is this the Mike Williams breakout that we've been talking about since last year? I would start worrying about Keenan Allen, but not so much because of the Mike Williams breakout. Mike Williams seems to be that he's going to be a permanent player on the rest of for the rest of the season on this offense. So he's going to get his receptions and his yards. Hunter Henry seems to be the biggest winner in this you know receiving court for the Chargers. The biggest people taking, you know, these carries away from Keenan Allen, I think it's those running backs. I mean, you have two running backs that are good for, you know, anywhere from three to seven, or Eckler can get 10 receptions in one game. So if your running backs are getting, you know, a third or even a quarter of the receptions out there, that's obviously going to impact you being, you know, the number two option to start with in the passing game. Uh, Hunter Henry doesn't seem to be affected by it because he still had 10 targets. Keenan Allen seems to be the, you know the victim of these two running backs being out there consistently as um, passing targets. Yeah, they had eight total targets between the two running backs, and Hunter Henry isn't too affected by it because Hunter Henry has historically been the main red zone target. Keenan Allen hasn't been the red zone target. As you know, he only gets about six touchdowns a year. He's been like the deep threat, the middle of the field guy, you know, 10-plus yards. And... I don't think that the running backs are really taking away that production, but they're taking away the targets. And as long as they're going to continue to take those targets, yeah, it's going to take away from He's Keenan definitely Allen. a person you can trade and get something really good just because that name carries in fantasy football. Um, if people don't pay attention to the stats or what's going on with the team, that name is going to carry a lot of trade value. So if I think you can get like an RB2 easily for uh, Keenan Allen right now. Probably you're right. Like you said, they don't pay too close attention to the stats. They might look at the points total for the year and see that he had a bunch of big games and say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. All right. Well, let's let, jump up to my favorite game of the week that happened. It was also the Sunday night game against uh, the undefeated New England Patriots. Versus, formally undefeated. Formally undefeated versus the Baltimore Ravens that have the most exciting player in football right now. Gus Edwards. Hell yeah, Gus Edwards. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Gus Edwards. No, but we're talking about Lamar Jackson, of course. I mean, he's half man, half amazing, half God, half, you know, just he's, he's just beautiful to watch. Um, too many halves. 
Too many holes. Well, too many halves add, add up to two, Joe. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, he was really spectacular to watch. And I think we talked about this game last week. I thought, you know, Baltimore was going to surprise the Patriots and win them. And I also thought uh, Belichick uh, expects the Ravens to be one of the playoff teams that he's going to have to face. And I don't think he showed them all the goodies. Um, I, I just don't think he showed them all the goodies this game. I don't think he showed them the defense that they are probably going to see in the playoffs. I think he got, I think, you know, how when players or teams say sometimes, you know, hey, what did you get out of this loss? Like, how did you improve? And yeah. most players are like, you can't improve from a loss. I think Bilicic learned a lot from this loss that's uh, going to lead to a potential uh, win in the playoffs. Yeah, like you said, this is something that he's probably not used to scheming for or planning for. You know, not many teams have come in with a great um plan of attack against Lamar Jackson. I mean, he only had 163 yards with a touchdown, but again, 16 carries for 61 yards and two touchdowns. He took all the touchdown work away from Mark Ingram, who had a great game himself. 15 yards, or 15 carries for 115 yards. Of course, you're going to start Lamar Jackson. Seems like Mark Ingram is doing better. I still can't trust anyone on the receiving core. Um, what do you think about the receivers? You know, you got these two tight ends that have been kind of going back and forth. Mark Andrews has been the better one, but this week, Nick Boyle gets a touchdown, same amount of yards. Uh, Marquise Brown, not even over 50 yards. This is definitely a team that's dominated by Lamar Jackson, and I just don't know if you could trust any receiver on any given week. No, I wouldn't. Marquise Brown obviously would be the only one, but that's only because, you know, he's the fastest one out of them all, so... He's a more of a big play potential, but I wouldn't confidently, you know, I'd roster him. I wouldn't start him. And just with Lamar Jackson, you know, you can't really pay attention to the matchups, to who he's playing. It doesn't matter if he's playing a team that's really good versus the pass or really good versus the run because he's going to dictate what he's going to do. And if he plays well, like you saw with the number one defense in football, he's going to do whatever he wants, whether it's, you know, running the ball or, you know, passing the ball at them. So, I was really happy to see he didn't throw any interceptions with those 163 yards on 23 attempts, but he's he's going to dictate what happens. If you have Lamar Jackson, you're obviously very happy. Um, I mean, you have a number one running back that also gives you, <laughs> you know, sprinkles in some passing work, really. He could be the fantasy MVP over Russell Wilson. He's drafted even later than Russell Wilson. He was, I agree. I think he went seventh in our league. And that was a late draft. We drafted like the week before um, the season started. So for those teams that were drafted in the summer, he probably even went even later. Even, yeah, you're right. But how about um, Tom, Tom Brady on this on this side of the ball? He looked very, very angry on the, on the sidelines of this game. Well, you had a lot of people making mistakes in this game. Julian Edelman had a costly fumble. Very un-Edelman-like. And then, you know, the offense as a whole just wasn't clicking. Muhammad Sanu, great game. Ten receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown. James White, you know, had his typical passing work. Um, but beyond that, they really couldn't overcome this Baltimore Ravens defense. On top of that, the Ravens had been good against the run. They shut down the run, only 17 total carries. Uh, so Sonny Michelle, 4 for 18. Rex Burke had 4 for 18. And James White did get the touchdown. So is James White's back to being an RB2, uh, like a matchup-proof start? 
No, he's more of an RB3 in my book still. Um, this was an outlier where he was a leading ball carrier uh, in, in the running game. You're not, you shouldn't see that again. It should be Sony Michelle and even Rex Burkhead. Um, I just, I personally do not start running backs where, you know, you're hoping that, you know, their the bulk of their work comes from like receptions and, you know, PPR dependent and stuff like that. I'm not comfortable with those type of running backs because at that point they're very touchdown dependent and, you know, they're not wide receivers. So you're not going to expect them to get 10 receptions on a consistent basis. Um, that being said, nice player to have. I wouldn't start him though still. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't drop him though, obviously. I know what you mean. I mean, I'm not rolling out Duke Johnson every week, but being on the Patriots, I will take a shot on James White as a flex every week, most likely. Yeah, but two guys that did have uh, 10 receptions each and over 80 yards each was uh, Julian Edelman, which, you know, for him, that's pretty routine. Uh, But more surprisingly was Mohamed Sanu, who the Patriots really, really love. And when Tom Brady was trying to, you know, create a comeback he went to Sanu I think four out of like five plays he went back to back to back with Sanu for those first downs so he's establishing a lot of trust with Sanu and Sanu is a big body that can also be a potential you know red zone target for a team that just lost uh, Josh Gordon yeah Sanu was quietly a very good number uh, two wide receiver on the Falcons and then he got traded Nikhil Harry was activated but he was inactive for this game so that was my favorite wide receiver coming into the um, the season. He didn't have the best preseason, ended up on IR. So I do think they are going to try to work him in there being a first-round pick. That can affect Sanu later in the season, but not right now. So I say just keep rolling out Sanu uh, if you have to because he could be a great start for you. Any other takeaways from this game? No, no other takeaways. I'm just really happy that the Patriots lost and Lamar Jackson won. All right. And, you know, the Cowboys and the Giants are going on right now. 16-12 Cowboys in the third quarter. I don't really know what's going on. We yeah, Zeke, Zeke so far is the only one uh, worth mentioning that's having a pretty big game. 17 carries, 115 yards for Zeke. Um, Man. Nothing else. No, no touchdowns. The only touchdown reception is uh, by Blake Jarwin that has a one reception for 42 yards, and that's his only target. On the New York side of the ball, Saquon Barkley doing absolutely nothing, 27 yards on the ground, 7 yards on the receiving end. Golden Tate being the leading uh, receiver there with 5 receptions and 43 yards on 6 targets. Um, go Cowboys. Thank you very much for that, Ermali. That was his Monday night update that you will hear on Tuesday. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. This episode went a little long. You know, we like to talk a lot. What could I say? We're doing our best to cut it down a little bit, make it a little bit shorter uh, so you could listen to it during a commute or all at one time, and I'll have to listen to it in parts. Uh, we're going to hit you back with the starts and sits for the week. We're going to break that into two episodes this time, uh, one AFC and one NFC. Again, just so it's not that long and it's a little bit easier to listen to. Uh, Please like us, rate us, review us, subscribe to us. We want to hear your feedback. We are on all platforms now, Uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spotify, whatever other podcast platforms there are, Pocket Cast, I can't think of them all. 
Uh, but please like, rate, review. We want to hear your feedback. Again, hit me up on Twitter at FFF, Joel Lapenta. You could always comment. Uh, leave me some feedback there, and I am going to get back involved on the Twitter community since we are back podcasting. It'll be a lot easier for me to do so. Um, all right, Armali, what do you want to close with? Yeah, just uh, just let us know if you have any critiques or you know what you like, what you don't like. Joe critiques me a lot, and you know, behind the scenes here, once this mic is cut, I know he's going to yell at me. So I'd rather hear it from you than hear it again from Joe. Uh, so please Everybody let us you. know. But um, thank you for listening if you did. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. All right, guys. See you soon. Thank you for all the love and support as always.